When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It's Black History Month, and we at the Neuro Nerds are celebrating by bringing back our Amplify Black Voices series featuring black stroke and brain injury survivors throughout the month of February. In this episode, our guest is Vince Holland, a stroke survivor from Virginia. Hi, I'm Joe. And I'm Lauren. And we are the, the Neuro Nerds. Yes, that was on time. I feel pretty good. On, I feel pretty good about that. Neuro nerds, welcome to the Neuro Nerds special guest today. I say it every week, and I mean it every week. I sincerely mean this. Very special episode. I get to chat with my good friend Vince. Thank you for being on the show, Vince. How you doing? Doing well, Joe. How are you? Good to be here. I'm doing well. You were you're a superhero. I just want to point that out. Like physically and even the sound. See, even you're rocking the Marvels. See, my favorite dude in the world. Hey, I'm rocking the Punisher. Like I'm the dark side of the superheroes. You sound like a superhero. You look like a superhero. So for those of you who don't know what Vince looks like, he's built like the Terminator, right? Not like old man Arnie. I'm talking about like 1989 original Terminator. Like you're built like a, a, a machine, Vince. Jeez, I need to do some push-ups. So anyways, Vince, we're just going to start out. We're going to dive right in. Tell us about your stroke, Vince. How did you have your stroke? Uh, 2016 is the 4th of July. So talking about fireworks. I was with friends having dinner and doing whatever celebrations we were doing. And at the end of the night, went home to my parents' house at the time. And it was like sitting at the kitchen counter and everything just started to feel weird. And the best way that I could describe it is that my legs felt like they were filling with static. It didn't make any sense to me. And then I knew something was off and I tried to stand up and it just felt like they disappeared. Like I had no contact with my legs and I was just like splayed out on the kitchen floor. My brother comes over and I could tell that he knew something was up. He's a corpsman in the Navy, so he knew how to assess these things. And my mom was there and she used to be a nurse. And I knew just looking at them, they were trying to keep calm, not be too alarmist, but something was off. And from there, we called 911 and got right over to 
the hospital. Wow. So did you suffer a hemorrhagic or an ischemic stroke? Ischemic stroke, yeah. Thank goodness that you had people there that knew the signs. And would you say you're a stubborn person or are you just like, yeah, I don't feel well. You should go get that checked. I'm pretty stubborn. Yeah. I'm strong willed. <laughs> strong willed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stubborn. <laughs> How was your hospital stay? The first hospital left something to be desired. I think maybe the second one was a little bit better. I'm glad I did get to the first hospital when I did. Because I had an ischemic stroke, they were able to give me the TPA, like within that oh, first three hours. Amazing. That's great. Yeah. So that made a world of difference in that first six hours just to see results. It was crazy. So you spent time in the hospital. How long were you in the hospital? The first few hospitals I went to, the first one, we couldn't get airlifted because of the weather. In between those two, it was about four days. And then it was inpatient rehab. Okay. Yes. So that's so much fun, isn't it? What were the effects? Was it was it physical? Was it cognitive? Was it mental? What were, what were the side effects of your stroke? My entire left side was paralyzed initially. And then after the TPA, some of the, I started to get some lights going off and my left arm started to move. I got some control back. And of course, they run you through a battery of tests to see what your cognitive abilities are like, which was really, really shocking for me because I could tell that the tests were super simple just by judging the expressions of everyone in the room. But I was having the hardest time. Like, it would be like A equals 1, B equals 2, C equals what? And like, it just was not there. It's frustrating. I don't remember much about my hospital stay, but I, I remember it was everything was very simplistic, and I just could not grasp anything. I couldn't put words together. I couldn't even draw a clock. You know, yeah, it's, yes. it was... That was a big one. Do you, you remember, like, it was, it's very simple. It's just draw a clock. And I was like, okay. I had uh, the issues where I didn't acknowledge that I had a left side. So I literally, I drew half a clock and they were like, okay, do you see what about the other half? And in my head, I'm like, I don't understand what you're saying. That's a clock. It's so crazy how the, the brain works. Now, do you know exactly the reason why you had your stroke? I do not. Now, of course, the treatment after that was RCVS. They're like, oh, it's reversible cerebral vasoconstriction syndrome. It means this, the shape of your vessels are such and they contract at this time and we're going to go with that. So, you know, science is the best guess. Isn't that great? Eh, we just, we just kind of guess this is what this is. So are you on blood thinners? No, I'm on a daily aspirin, but I only was on blood thinners inside of inpatient rehab. Okay. Okay. Yeah. It, not knowing, I think, would drive me a little bit crazy. You know, I'm one of those people who is like, well, somebody knows, so I kind of need to know. Like, even right now, like, if I talk enough about, like, aliens, somebody knows. Honestly, it would drive me insane thinking that somebody knows and I don't. So like not knowing like why my brain tried to kill me would drive me a little bit crazy, but I know a hundred percent. Does it bother you not knowing a hundred percent? It does. It was massively frustrating in the beginning. I had this athletic background and all of it was gone in an instant. And with that was like a loss of my identity. And they couldn't tell me what to avoid or what to start doing. Like, Oh, what direction should I take after this? And they're like, well, do you eat well? Do you exercise? I'm like, yes, yes. Like, do you smoke or drink? I'm like, no, no. And I'm 28 years old at the time, so they couldn't tell me anything. Wow. Okay, Vince, they actually said, do you work out? That came out of their face. <laughs> that's that's um, that moment where you just take off your shirt and you say, you tell me. <laughs> so also, we are in, um, what is this, first week of February. It just so happens to be Black History Month, which is a beautiful month. And I'm very happy to have you on to celebrate Black History Month because I don't know if you know this or not, Vince. You're a black guy. You're a black dude. Yes, <laughs> yep, long time so, 
<laughs> I also wanted to ask, so your hospital stay, I have, I can't even tell you how many people have had issues with their hospital stay, specifically black women saying that their care was terrible and they honestly feel it's because they were black. Did you have any of those issues? I would say with the second hospital, no, it was head and shoulders above the first. I did have a really weird interaction with a nurse at the first hospital. I just, I couldn't make sense of it. And I wasn't sure if I was just confused or if this was my brain injury, but I, my mom was there in the hospital room, a friend of ours who goes to our churches in the hospital room. And a nurse is like talking to me about going home and what I'll need, what tools I might take, if I'll bring the wheelchair with me. And she just does this weird voice change. Like she's auditioning for a John Singleton movie. And she's like, oh, you don't live in the hood. I'm like, one, I don't know how that's your prerogative. Two, no, I don't. So I'm not sure how this is of any consequence to my care right now. It's a very strange thing to say to me. That's very strange. It's nice to know that you were surrounded by professionals, especially after a brain injury. Oh, my gosh. I just assume that isn't the first time something like that has happened. It's not. And um, in that setting, it's really, really tough because you're super vulnerable. You know, and you're like, I don't want to get indignant with this lady. I don't want to be too stern, but like, how do I stick up for myself and just say, hey, let's focus on me getting better and getting the course of action to go forward from here. It's a difficult balance. It, it really is because you are you're in the most vulnerable state that I think anybody can possibly be. You just sustained a brain injury. See, here's the frustrating part. It shouldn't be our responsibility to educate somebody in that position. It shouldn't be. You know, it should just be commonplace. Oh, yeah, you don't do dumb shit like this. I'm sorry. <laughs> you just don't do it, especially to somebody who just had a brain injury. That's infuriating to me. But it's kind of the state that's the state of the world. So during this was 26. Yeah, you had your stroke the same year I had my stroke, you know, twinsies. Basically, I had, oh, wow. You said July 4th, correct? Yours is June. It was August 4th, literally a month after oh, you. I had, wow. my, that's crazy. See, look, we're both superheroes. I'm just a much smaller superhero, Vince. <laughs> well, you know, actually, I'm just a damsel in distress. Like my co-host, she's the actual superhero. How long did it take you before you felt like, hey, you know what? I'm feeling myself. Because I know it takes a little bit, at least for me. I don't know about you. Was it months? Was it a year? Are you still working on it? I think maybe closing in on the two-year mark, I started to feel like, yeah, I'm going to put this together. I'm going to be myself. Why? I started to feel like myself. I already determined, like, I thought that when I went into inpatient rehab, like, that was one of my goals is, like, I'm leaving here as myself. And with this feeling of grief or this loss of identity, I insisted on it. Like, that this, that strong-willed part coming out and me being like, I am Vince and there are these things that I can do and I can be this person. I just insisted on it. That's amazing. Well, that's that. I think that's the athletic background. The first Amplified Black Voices episode I did for Black History Month was with Tymeek, and he's a basketball player, and he has that same mindset. His mindset is attack. Thank you to our amazing community on Patreon for supporting this podcast. You can support us too and get different perks and gifts depending on which Neuro Jedi tier you sign up for. For example, if you're on our Neuro Padawan $5 tier, then you're probably listening to this episode a day early before it's public release. Your support helps us grow and continue to create this podcast. Plus, a portion of the proceeds go to a different cause or individual in the brain injury survivor community each month. Sign up at patreon.com slash the neuronerds. Would you say you attacked your rehab? Absolutely. And my, my athletic background is in martial arts and Olympic weightlifting. So 
I looked at it as an injury. It's an injury of a completely different scope, but I've got professionals the same way I would have coaches in my corner, and they could give me directions on what my day should look like to give me my best shot at the comfort. And so I was going to take that seriously, and whatever work that I could do physically, like I was going to do that to the bone in rehab. I wanted to bring my wheelchair out with me and lock the wheels, and I'm like, I'm, I can walk into, and by the end, I could walk into the rehab area, but I'm like, I want to work so hard, I'm going to wheel myself back to my room when this is over. Like, I want to do what, what I can do. Right. Were you able to do that? Towards the end, yeah. Like, by days, I could stand the second day that I was in inpatient rehab with assistance, but by the end, I could walk. Now, how confusing was all of this to you? It was insane. Like, I had the same hemispatial neglect, so the left side of my body, it's like I just was not attentive to it. Like, I didn't know that it was there. So that was a trip. In the beginning, the delayed speech was really, really hard. I, I like, I have this fixation on words and just being able to articulate what I'm experiencing, what I'm seeing, and just translating my human experience to the world. But I couldn't do it. Right. So that, that, was that must be really frustrating. My co-host is the same way. So she had, she didn't have a stroke, but she had a brain injury. She was in a car accident and suffered a major concussion. And her biggest issue is word recall. So it's fascinating to see. And I love, she did it once in, in one episode where she speaks several different languages and her word recall was amazing where she was trying to figure out the word and she was going on this journey and she translated it from English to, I think, Korean, from Korean to Spanish and then Spanish back into English. It was just, it's amazing how the brain works. It's so crazy. What would you say, I guess, cognitively, what were the exercises that you did that just drove you crazy? The ones with numbers and letters, that association was super tough. And figuring out how to stop saying colors when I meant numbers and to start figuring out how to like do bookmarking. Like I would think of a person and I had to create some association with them separate from their name. And then I would find their name somewhere in there. I don't know how that process even works, but like I would just attach a place to their name and I could find it. Oh, wow. You were building something in your mind palace. Yeah, yeah. That's amazing. So the, with the, the, the cognitive side of rehab, that to me was the most exhausting thing ever. It wasn't physically. Physically, yeah, it's exhausting. It's exhausting to, to move around when you haven't moved around, when your body is weak. But for me, that's most tired I've ever been is when I read like the first paragraph I read. I had to take like a two to three hour nap after reading for the first time because my brain was exhausted. I can't compare that exhaustion. You are a tremendous athlete, so you work very hard. You know what exhaustion is, physical exhaustion. Can you compare the mental exhaustion? Does it compare to the physical exhaustion or is it anything that you've ever experienced in your life? It is so different. It happens so much more quickly, but if I could compare it to anything, it's like if you had crammed for a test or you had spent hours reading or working at a computer, but it happens way sooner. Like this like you've been making decisions, big decisions all day, and your mind is just sapped, you know, just drained, fatigued. You're not ready to make decisions. You're not ready to be around bright lights and loud noises because it just gets to be too much information to sort through. So my biggest is processing. It's it's hard, like when I get overwhelmed or when there's a lot of stuff going on. Even for me, movement was a big thing. If there's like a lot of moving parts, it kind of set me off a little bit. Or even being in an open space. I know it sounds weird. But if I was outside and there was just nothing around, it would kind of it was loud to me. I can't explain it, but it just it felt really, really loud to me. Everything was exhausting, everything. And I still kind of suffer through some of that stuff now. Do you have any long lasting effects of your stroke? Only at like the far ends of fatigue, 
like my left side will fatigue faster than the right. If I walk or run for a long period, the left side will drag at some point. Like if I get to the end of the, the of a long distance run, the left side will drag. Um, as far as like my attention deficits, those are still there if I don't get like the appropriate amount of sleep, which for me, I'm trying to push past eight hours if I can. Like being on low or no sleep is just not an option for me. Like it's not going to be a good day. People sleep, right? Yeah, I, I don't sleep enough. I just don't. I function normally at about five, maybe six hours of sleep. It's not good. I don't suggest anybody do that. But I think I painted myself in this corner. Early on in recovery, I didn't have anybody to talk to. So the only people I connected with are people overseas. You know, my friend Noreen in Australia, my friend uh, Rianne in the Netherlands. So I would be chatting with these people at like two, three o'clock in the morning. And then that pattern just kind of stuck with me. So like, my bedtime is normally around like three, four o'clock in the morning. Then I wake up about eight, nine o'clock to walk my dog. So, and I don't nap because there's something wrong with me. I avoid naps like a toddler, but you know, I'm working on it. I'm a work in progress, just like the rest of us. So speaking of like support, how did you have support at home? I did. And that was huge. My then girlfriend, who's now my wife, was there with me, you know, at the time of my stroke. So that was huge. And I think that was another ripple of like how stroke impacts you and the your community, your relationships. But she was there, stuck it out. And that's super scary when you're in rehab and I'm like, okay, so now I'm someone's boyfriend living a very different life. How is this going to affect our connection? But it got stronger. And my connection with my friends did as well. And that's hard because they're going through something, watching their friend endure something that they don't know how to articulate because they walk in the room and I look the same, but I'm very much different. That is, that's the best worst thing, you know? I'm very vain. I've said it a million times. You have a lot of vanity. So I'm glad that I don't look like there's something wrong, but clearly, well, you've talked to me, you know there's something wrong with me. <laughs> but it, it's it's weird because your friends see you and, oh yeah, you're, you're back. You're, you're back because I was back to making inappropriate jokes. It's like, oh yeah, Joe's back. It's like, no, I legitimately have invisible issues. I, I really do. You can't see them. I unfortunately suffer from PTSD. I'm constantly anxious. I'm suffering depression. All of these really awful things that weigh down and are heavy, nobody can see, but I fight through them every single day. And the only person that really understands them or that has to deal with them is my significant other, you know, and, and she does great. She does the best she can, but... There's a line. She can only understand so much. Do you have that with your wife and your family and your friends that like, yeah, they get it to a certain extent? Yeah. And I think something that my wife and I have gotten better at doing over the years is knowing when to take space. So we enjoy each other's company, but we're like, okay, there's something breaking down right now where we're not able to express something as well as we'd like to. We're not able to express it in a kind way or we're not able to be as supportive as we'd like to. Like, I try and have grace with her. I'm like, you know what? I am a handful at times. I totally know that you need to take space, go read, sit, listen to music, go for a drive, take a walk. And she does the same for me. It's like, okay, I'm going to go into the other room, sit and read or be by myself, just find time to be still. So giving each other space to do that is, has been huge because it's, it's a lot to handle. It is. It is. I have continued to have. I had. It was really bad. But now I continue to have days where emotional regulation is the worst. Like I have no control over my emotions and I'll attack. I'll blow up because I'm constantly at a state of I'm almost to the point of being overwhelmed. Like I explained it a million times and I don't know if, if this resonates with you or not. People normally wake up at a zero and then throughout the day it starts increasing and it's like, wow, now I'm really 
anxious or I'm stressed out or I'm at, a, at this, this breaking point. I wake up halfway there. I wake up halfway to being overwhelmed. So it takes a lot less for me to go overboard, you know, because my emotions are just outlandish. Does that resonate with you at all? Or are your emotions mostly in control? I feel like my actions on the heels of my emotions are sort of in control, but I don't know if you've ever had those, uh, hey, I'm crying for no reason moments in traffic. Like I'm on the way home and I'm reflecting on something and yeah, there are the tears. There they are. <laughs> it's, it's surreal insane. that they just come on. Can I tell you why? We're grown ass men. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it, it's strange because I'll be watching a commercial and I'll just completely lose it. I'll listen to a song. And it'll touch me to the point where I'm like, I'm an ugly tear. I'm not an attractive crier by any means, but like just the ugly crying. And it's because I am, my emotions are like on a hair trigger and I don't understand it. The only thing that helps is after the fact where I'm like, oh yeah, you had a brain injury. You know what I mean? Like you, you came really close to not being here after the facts. I'll show myself some grace in the moment. It's horrible. It's horrible. Oh, Joe, you idiot. Joe, you're, why are you so soft? Why are you so, why, and I'll even say awful things like, why are you broken? I'm not broken. I'm battered and bruised, right? I'm on my way up. In those moments, I'm not very kind to myself. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. As a brain injury or a stroke survivor like myself, it's hard for me to get through reading books due to my injury. But with Audible, I can now enjoy as many books as I want just by listening. Thanks to Audible, I can listen to stroke survivor Kavita Bossi's book, Room 23. Once it popped up on Audible, I immediately put it on my wish list. Read Kavita's book with us. That's right. The Neuro Nerds have a book club. What a great way for our brain injury survivor community to read books together. And even if you don't want to read the book we're reading, with this free trial, you can select any book of your choice for free. Go to audibletrial.com slash the Neuro Nerds. Boom! Boom! Neuro <laughs> <laughs> Nerds. I fancy you a very kind person. I also fancy that you would be very kind to yourself. Are you kind to yourself or you mean to yourself when you have those little hiccups? I try and be kind. There are moments where I have to like turn something a little more savage on to push through ugly things. Something I've said before is after brain injury, it's not like that becomes your whole life. It's life multiplied by stroke now. So like the grieving that I've done for myself is amplified by the, the actual physical grief that I had to experience for people that I loved for changes in my life. And I'm doing that on top of the brain injury. So I do try and be kind to myself that there are those moments where I feed myself some of that stigma. Like, Hey, be a man, whatever that means. Right. So, right. There are those moments. It, it's, we're not very kind to ourselves in, in the moment. And you know what, to be completely honest, if you can actually watch something, hear something and be so overwhelmed with emotion and shed a tear, there's nothing more masculine than that. I really mean that, you know, a guy who's in touch with uh, every single one of his emotions. That's I'll just say that's masculine as fuck. <laughs> I think we should all be a little bit more in, in touch with our emotions, except anger. I think anger takes over in those moments because I think it's just unresolved issues that we have that we haven't processed through. Maybe it's like I miss the way I used to be. I miss when this wasn't a thing <laughs> when, a no you know, somebody slamming a door didn't set me into like this dissociative episode in, in a PTSD freak out. Like I, sometimes like I, I have those moments, but overall, I think I've done pretty well. And also connecting with the community is a huge help too, because you guys understand, you guys understand it's, it's one thing 
that people can, you know, sympathize. Oh, a brain injury, I'm overwhelmed, I'm, I'm tired, the neuro fatigue, the brain fog. People can feel bad for you. That's okay. I don't want people to feel bad for me. When I chat and I explain this stuff to you, when I explain to anybody in our community, you guys can empathize. You guys understand exactly what it feels like. I can't explain to you. Well, I don't have to explain to you. You understand it. I, I, I don't. I can't explain to anyone else what that feels like. It's truly being heard. It's not. Well, it's like true. It's true understanding. It's like we speak the exact same language. How long did it take you to find other people in the community? At least two years. There were times when I was in inpatient rehab where we had like a group setting. But honestly, I didn't. After I was discharged, I didn't pursue contact with that same group again. It was a little bit further from where I lived. And so that was an obstacle in and of itself because I wasn't driving yet. But about two years. Wow. So in that group, would you have younger stroke survivors or brain injury survivors or were they all older? They were all older. Yeah. Um, there was one guy who was in rehab with me for a stroke who's actually a year younger than me. But I only met him one time in passing. Yeah. It, it's it was. I, look, you were you got married afterwards. You were dating. How long? Oh, when did you get married? Was it a year or two after? Was it recent? 2020. Yeah. May 2020. Hey, 2020 was not an awful year. It was an amazing year where you bonded with your soulmate. So I don't want to hear anybody say 2020 was terrible. 2020 is amazing for Vince. <laughs> for me, it was my first year was the most isolating, lonely time of my life because I didn't have anybody to talk to. And again, I don't want to say, you know, Felice, like my significant other, she was there every single step of the way. There's only so much she can understand. I was in a brand new brain. I was in a brand new body. Everything was new. I was like a, a baby deer. You know, I was learning how to walk again. I was learning how to process and think again. And it wasn't until I met my co-host where I was like, wow, somebody else understands the things that I've gone through or am going through. And then I met several other survivors and I'm like, oh my gosh, there are more of us, you know? When you finally started to meet others, did it change the way you saw your recovery? It did. There were like so many, I call them through lines or these common threads with other people. And I'm like, yeah, they also have brain injuries. And I get to hear perspectives that I hadn't thought of myself because I don't know, they go back to being parents. I'm not a parent. So I get to understand what this looks like for someone returning to that life. There are certain parallels and it makes a huge difference. You know, I always say that there is like when you go online to chat with people, there is affirmation. That's like people saying, oh, yeah, what you share or the way that you look at the world is valid. But then there's this corroboration is the other side of it where someone else says, yes, I see it, too. They kind of they understand it in a much more a close way. Like you said about they speak your language. Yeah, it's huge. You know, pig Latin, like we have like stroke Latin, I guess like <laughs> this is a, it's a specific language. So when we say things like exhaustion, when we say things like fatigue, it's not working a full day and overtime and picking up the kids and hitting the gym. It's not. It's a completely different thing. It's that exact physical, mental feeling you have at the end of your day. It can hit us after we wake up. Like we'll feel the exact same way from doing nothing really other than just existing. It's it's hard to explain. And it's hard for anyone to really understand and comprehend what that's like. But we get it. <laughs> you know, it's that's why I love our community. Also, I found we're part of the most loving, caring, helpful community in the world. You know, I think everybody just kind of wants to help one another. You included also, 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 also you are big on meditation. Yeah. You are a, a very mindful, mindful human being. So where did that come from? Is that something from your upbringing? Is that something that you taught yourself? Like where did your mindful state come from? 
before I was competing in MMA, I competed in traditional martial arts. Like focus, mindfulness, introspection are like these big pillars of that practice. And so I just took that with me as I got older and it meant different things as I became more independent and had a different sense of myself. And I didn't really adopt a meditation practice on top of my mindfulness until like last year. And I've really been active in it this year and it's made like a quantifiable change in my life. I didn't know you did MMA. So you're mindful in MMA. You're like the Gracies. I love the Gracies, but so did you compete on a professional level? No, I competed uh, as an amateur in MMA and kickboxing. Okay, how were you? You can be honest. You can say you were amazing. You say you're terrible. I'll believe you. I was solid. It was, I was okay. It was a pretty short-lived uh, experience. It's something I wanted to do to compliment. Like, in MMA, you do jiu-jitsu and kickboxing, and you mix them up. Oh, in MMA, that, that's the mixed part of mixed martial arts. But my focus had been jiu-jitsu for a long time. So once I was done with kicking and punching, I went back to just grappling, jiu-jitsu. And I enjoyed that, I think, a little bit more than the others. Yeah, I, I don't want to be hit. Also, I don't like people touching me. So, yeah, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> I'll stick to basketball. You know, I can, like, avoid people, I guess. And Also, I don't want to be punched in the face. It does not feel good. You want to know what feels even worse? Getting kicked in the face. I don't want to get kicked in the face either. <laughs> well, I'm very glad that you're not getting kicked in the face currently. So do you still study jujitsu? I haven't practiced in a while, but it is my jujitsu academy is actually attached to where I do my workouts. So I have the opportunity and I'll probably be going back to that this year. Yeah. Oh, okay. And you're definitely working out because I've seen shirtless pictures of you, Vince. Good Lord. <laughs> it's like, it's like that, more luggage now, you know, a little, a little more hey. winter weight. I'll say that, you know what it is, that weight, it's keeping your abs warm. Just think of it like that. You know, it's wintertime. You got to keep your muscles warm with a nice layer of fat. Fat is like, you know, you're like a, a Tauntaun in Star Wars. You just got to keep warm. <laughs> you just got to keep warm. So th that's, that's just crazy. Thanks to our sponsor, Avid Technology, for providing us with the tools, or should I say pro tools, to record, edit, and mix our podcast and get our message out clearly to the world. Try Avid first to start recording today for free at avid.com slash pro dash tool. Yay. Yay. So does your family, are they elite athletes as well? Because I'd put you in that class of elite athlete. My siblings, they competed in high school, but no, they're not elite athletes. I have some extended family, like my cousins, aunts and uncles who played either football or basketball at different levels. None professionally, no. Did you ever play basketball? I am terrible at basketball, actually. <laughs> I laugh because that makes me feel a little good. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? It's like, awful. You should see it. You literally harm. You could break me in several different ways, but on a court, I would dominate. Like, it wouldn't even be fair. Like, it would be embarrassing for you, and that makes me happy because every other aspect in life, you would embarrass the hell out of me. So, like, we're even, right? <laughs> right on, man. You should. That's, that's a good bet. <laughs> it, it is. <laughs> So we, we came through like, all right, we're still kind of in the, I would say not the middle, but we're still kind of like heading towards the middle end ish of the pandemic, which is crazy. It's wild for the world. Also imagine what it's like for somebody with a brain injury on top of the fact that we've also been through a huge, crazy, amazing year for you, but a wild time for everybody else in the world. 
especially in our country, we had the Black Lives Matter movement that happened. Unfortunately, it was set off by what happened with George Floyd, Amon Arbery, a, a bunch of other people, which unfortunately, it takes place a lot more often than I think anybody really wants to admit. During the heart of that, do you have any, like, how is that making you feel? Like, how, like, did you take a step back and you're like, wow, this is too much? Did you take a step back and say, wow, finally, people can actually see that this goes on all the time? What were your thoughts on the Black Lives Matter movement at the heart of it? I was super optimistic about the conversations that were going to take place. Or rather, I was very hopeful. You know, my optimism wasn't terribly high. I was really concerned that we would see something and sort of return to talking about it the same way we had talked about it before. Uh, there is probably some unaddressed stress of seeing what happened to George Floyd on the video, and I don't know that people can process witnessing something like that. Like, it's not, it's a very traumatic thing to see. So there was definitely some stress attached to that, and I have a lot of hope, but my optimism's been diminished, so... I'll fill in the optimism. I'm a very optimistic person for the most part, especially post brain injury, because we're here. You know, we made it back like we, we did. We survived and, and we're here to live as beautiful a life as we could possibly live because we're here. It's not easy. There's a lot of stuff going on, but I really feel that the world is changing. Do you feel that? Do you feel that this is we've had this before and uh, sadly We've had waves of this. Oh, things are going to be great. And then we're right back to the same thing. I grew up, you know, I was a teenager when Rodney King, during that, the Rodney King riots, I was in LA. This is where I live. I feel it's going to be different. This There's something different in the air now. I really feel that change is happening. Do you have that same feeling? I do get this sense that after watching so many people demonstrate in different parts of the country and in the world. I felt like, wow, this is an awareness that maybe we didn't have before. Like That gave me a greater sense of hope. I pulled against it because I was so concerned about being optimistic and then feeling naive. I do have that hope. you know? I have, I have that audacity of hope in me that this is going to be different. The awareness, the conversations that are sparking because of it. Hey, it, when we have hope, we have everything that we need. And the, the reason I think, and I've said this a million times, and I, and I truly feel it in my soul, this right here, this this phone that we have, it records everything, everything. The revolution is being televised. It's being filmed. It's not going anywhere. This isn't hearsay. We have these videos. We have everything. It's not just going to disappear. Oh, well, there's none of that. It's like, no, look at the, the video does not lie. So I really feel that change is happening and it's very uncomfortable. It's really uncomfortable. I All of this stuff is very heavy. It's It's been heavy forever. Like it, it weighs down on it's been weighing down on me forever. So that's why it's it's difficult for me. I'm a very fair-skinned Puerto Rican, right? I'm, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm ethnic, but <laughs> this is the Black Lives Matter movement. You are clearly a black man in this world with this chaos going on. Have you felt that extra pressure, that extra weight during all of this? I have in a lot of ways. And early this year, I got COVID. We can come back to that. But I felt this added stress on top of that. And so I was like, okay, no more news, no more social media notifications, no more extra. I just felt like I was out of bandwidth for it. I felt that I had to hold myself to a particular standard because now I'm representative of people who are treated like they don't deserve a certain degree of dignity and decency. And it's like I had to earn it. 
I had to think about the fact that, wow, I must be some level of conditioned to think that I can be a certain degree of respectable and then I can get treated with the same fair treatment that everyone else is or that everyone should be. That was tough. That was stressful. I still think about it at times. We're all people and we should be treated equally. And I know it's it sounds so simple. Unfortunately, it, it's not. And it just weighs down. It's a lot. It's it's a lot. And, and it's hurt my because I, I've witnessed and I've experienced racism. And I look the way that I do. I've been told by several of my friends, do you kind of look like a white guy? I don't think I do, but I could, I'm sure, pass at some point. And I have been in really terrible, disturbing situations. And I've had some of the most horrific things said to me. I can only imagine what some of my friends, including you, have gone through in your life. It's disgusting. It's despicable. And it absolutely needs to change. None of this is good. N- none of this feels good, except for the fact that things are changing. That does feel good. As heavy, as weighty as all this stuff is, I do feel that the world is changing. And just like working out, Vince, when you work out, when you lift, you're, oh my God, I'm so sore. You're sore because your muscles are growing, right? And your muscles have grown. I can see that. <laughs> so I think the world right now, I think we're all uncomfortable because we're growing. These are the growing pains. And I think we're going to be much stronger after this. Unfortunately, we're at that part where it's like, oh man, I'm really sore. But you know what you have to do? You have to keep pushing. You got to push through. You have to. You, you do if you want to look like Vince. <laughs> and I desperately want to look like Vince. It's been heavy. And have you leaned on meditation to kind of get you past this? Like those those really heavy, overwhelming moments? I have. I found like a meditation practice first things in the morning before I get any dose of conventional media, social media, anything from the outside world pouring into me. I try to kick my morning off by just like taking captive my thoughts, like getting in order what I want to think about in the day. And sometimes bits and pieces of them get away from you, but if I can just keep one or two of them with me throughout the day, I feel things are arranged in a way that I feel good about. So it's definitely been a big part of my life. First thing I do every morning is a quick 10-minute meditation. You know, uh, me and Felice, we lay down in bed and we meditate and we set our intentions for the day. It's been life-changing. It really has shifted. We even have, you know, Stella. She comes up on the bed and she lays down and, like, she'll lay down on her back and she's setting her little puppy intentions as well. All of this is difficult. Look, recovery is not easy. The world right now, it's not easy. It's not easy to hear this stuff. It's not easy to function. Where you, We're in the middle of a pandemic. If you enjoy listening to this podcast, please consider leaving us a five-star review on the Apple Podcast app. Your reviews help us grow and reach more listeners like you. Find us by searching for the Neuro Nerds on the Apple Podcast app today. You were infected with COVID, Vince? I didn't know this. Yeah. January 5th, I got my positive test. It was wild, very uncomfortable, and I could have done without it. But the whole 2020, I managed to avoid it. And then 2021 comes along, and then the first week, test positive. Wow. Uh, what were the, the side effects? The first night, it was like chills and body ache. And then into the second day, when I was still experiencing that, I'm like, okay, it's time to go get tested, know for sure, and figure out what the best steps going forward are. And then it was the congestion, continued body aches. But then there was no more fever by like day three. Days four and five, lost my smell and taste. So that was weird. It made the rest of the experience challenging. Uh, I was concerned, obviously, as someone with a brain injury and a BMI over a certain number, thinking, wow, how many categories of comorbidities do I check? Is the survivability of this, is it in my favor? I have hypertension, a previous brain injury, again, a BMI over a certain number. And it's like, 
I was concerned. I was legitimately concerned. That just scares the absolute fuck out of me, Vince. It does. It does. Because you never know. It's honestly, it's people who go out. And now I fancy you a very responsible person as well. I'm assuming it wasn't like, oh, I'm Vince. I'm going to go out and party. I'm assuming it wasn't that. I try to be very diligent about like, okay, let's be intentional about when I'm going out. Like if I have to go to work, we have a schedule that makes it simple to stay distance. And we don't even get to have a full staffing at a time with our AB schedules and everything. I just, I don't know, you know how I got exposed, what I did. But uh, thankfully I got through it. Recovery was, it was spotty at times. I hope that uh, people continue to do the best that they can to be responsible for themselves and the, the people that they impact. Yeah, don't be COVID idiots. Like, seriously, there's no reason to go party, you moron. Sorry, there are a bunch of dumb people out there, and it really frustrates me because, be, oh, I'm going to be okay. It's like, that may be true, but you're going to kill someone else, and that's not okay. And the reality is, you might not be okay. I know now, unfortunately, several younger people, no pre-existing conditions, in reasonably good shape, who are not here any longer. So basically, if you want to go and, oh, I'm tired of being indoors, I'm tired of this pandemic, do you want to know what's not tired? COVID. COVID is, it's not exhausted. It's not done with anything. It is stronger than ever. When you go outside and you do dumb things, you're literally playing Russian roulette with your life. That's not a game I want to play. It's not. And even, okay, well, I had it and it's fine now. It's like, yeah, but this is scary for you too. And I'm sorry, I don't mean to be a dick. The after effects, we don't know what the side effects are going to be for years to come. We now know there's new things called COVID tongue. It's a weird thing, Vince. I don't know if you heard about it. COVID tongue where your tongue crackles and there's like a thin layer. They say it feels like hair on your tongue, which is weird. People's teeth are falling out. So be very weary of your gums and teeth. All of these strange things, it's still kind of mutating, so we don't know what's going to go on. Please wear a mask, keep distant, and don't be an idiot. My God, it's not too much to ask, (laughs) is it? I don't think it's too much to ask. I'm very thankful that you're okay. I am, because this is crazy. So not only, okay, you are just like my co-host, you're a brain injury survivor who survived the virus that caused a worldwide pandemic. Like literally, you you I think if you took your shirt off, you have an S for Superman just burned in your chest. I'm sure of it. This is just crazy Vince. I'm so thankful that you're okay. Lauren, um, you know, my co-host, she is just she's dealing with the fatigue. I can honestly say since she found out that she tested positive for COVID, I have cried every single day, every single day because I'm so worried about her. I would have people hitting me up and say, oh, hey, how's Lauren? And immediately just the water works because like I'm so worried. I just want my friends to be okay. And I'm so happy that you are okay because, man, you're just you're too important to this world and this community for anything to happen to you. You know, and I I really appreciate who you are and what you do, how you advocate and just who you are as a person. Let's shift to like some some happier news. I told you I was going to ask you about your nerdum. I'm going to ask you about your nerdum. What's your nerdum, Vince? Uh, Big into Marvel. Specifically, the MCU, like the Marvel Cinematic Universe, is my jam, and it has been for a long time. Yes, see, a fellow neuro nerd. Yes, look, I love DC animation. I think they have some of the best characters. They don't know what they're doing with their DC Extended Universe, whatever the hell they're calling it. Marvel, on the other hand, eh, they, they make it work. In Kevin Feige, I trust everything he does. So, is there anything in particular that you're really excited for moving forward with, like the next phase? if they're going to work the mutants into the MCU at all, like if they're going to talk at all about 
Wanda Maximoff's parentage is Quicksilver slash Phoenix are going to come back. What are going to be the effects of time travel? Like, how is this going to come back up? Is Adam Warlock going to make an appearance in the Marvel movies? Is Venom going to come back over to show up in Spider-Man? Like, there are so many questions I have, and I'm so excited for the future of MCU. You just hit me with Adam Warlock. So you're a fan fan. There's some people who, oh, I'm a big MCU fan. It's like, oh, yeah, Adam. Oh, wait, who's Adam Warlock? Wait, what? I actually thought a perfect Adam War- Warlock was going to be Matthew McConaughey. I was like, ah, oh, that's going to be the dude. I think he's going to be great. He still might be it. I, I think I think it would be good. I didn't know that you were like a nerd nerd like that. That's awesome, Vince. It makes me so <laughs> it makes me so happy. It tickles me. Are you watching a uh, uh, WandaVision? I am. Yes, and I'm so glad that the fourth episode really like picked things up. I was looking for Easter eggs all through episodes one, two, and three. Of course, looking for all the little name drops. Who was in the background on the TV monitors? Like just like combing for everything I could. Dude, if a piece of paper walks by, I'm trying to read what's on that piece of paper. I'm pretty sure the underlining villain is a Mephisto. I'm pretty sure. That's what I'm going with. I'm going with Mephisto is the guy just pulling the strings. That's that's my guess. And I really feel that Agnes is Agatha Harkness, you know, uh, an, another wish. And I think she's working with Mephisto. I thought it might be Nightmare for a second. My guess is the final episode of the season. I think Doctor Strange is going to pop in. I think he's going to come in and I think he's going to kind of have to settle Wanda down because I really think Wanda's going to have a mental breakdown and I think she might destroy so many things. So in House of M, she went crazy and she whispered no more mutants and the majority of the mutants in the world disappeared. I have a feeling and it's not even a feeling. I just had a thought that, OK, well, let's say we flip that where instead of saying no more mutants, what if she says more mutants and then just all these mutants pop up? Right. That would be a great way to bring the X-Men into the MCU. Also, if we're talking about multiple like multiverse and they're going to do the Spider-Man, the Spider-Verse, where we're going to have Tobey Maguire, Spider-Man come back and Andrew Garfield, Spider-Man, which I'm just I'm losing my mind over. Who's to say that we can't tap into the shitty (laughs) X-Men movies and pick and choose who we want? Why can't we go in there and take Michael Fassbender's Magneto and say, oh, yeah, this is the guy now. Why can't we do that? I'm just, it's endless possibilities, and I'm so excited, and I am here for it, Vince. I just want to say I appreciate so much of who you are as a person. I really do. I I sincerely mean this because there aren't very many, I don't say this in a sexist way, a lot of us guys, we don't like to share, and there's not a lot of vulnerability that comes because it means that you're, what, you're less of a man. You are a very kind sharing loving person and i appreciate that and i love what you do for our community i love your your just mindful nature i love your caring nature you're like <laughs> you're like a you're like reuben stuttered you're like the velvet teddy bear <laughs> i don't think i'll ever call you that again <laughs> but to me you're kind of like the velvet teddy bear so I wanted to say thank you for coming on the show. Like, I really appreciate it. This has been fun. We definitely have to get into more nerdy conversations because I didn't know you were nerdy like this, Vince. I already think very highly of you. Now it's through the roof. I hope you understand that. I'm just blown away with what a warrior you are as a person, what a kind human being you are. And I just appreciate you so much coming on the show, you know, being another guest uh, for our Amplify Black Voices during Black History Month. It's such a beautiful thing. And I think, you know, the community needs more people like you. Our community needs more open, kind, loving, caring people. And we all need to take a breath, 
be mindful, set our intentions in the right way, and move forward in recovery, Vince. So I will say, how can the people reach you, Vince? The folks can find me on social media. I am most active on Instagram at Vince.856. I am also on Twitter at Vince underscore 856 and Snapchat at the same Vince underscore 856. I appreciate your words, Joe, super kind words, and we really value you in this community and what you do. I hope you will continue to do it, and I definitely look forward to our future conversations. You are too kind, Vince, too kind. And all, all of his socials will be up in the show notes. You can also reach out to Lauren and wish her a quick healing and send her funny dog memes because that's what gets her by right now. You can reach out to her at Lauren El Manzano on Instagram. You can reach out to me at Joso Rocks on all the socials. Reach out to us, the Neuro Nerds, at everywhere. And on that very strange, <laughs> why would I send Lauren dog memes note? Vince, thank you so much for being on the show. I appreciate you, my friend. I am just blown away with what a kind, masculine nerd you really are. <laughs> and I appreciate you so much, my friend. And on that note, this neural nerd is out. Awesome. Awesome, Vince. That was fun. I, ho- I hope you uh, uh, enjoy that. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.